What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to this very special episode of Rain Stop Play. Poised to hold the World Cup in 2024 is the USA cricket sleeping giant. Glenn has spoken to some superb guests to put together the story of US cricket, which has seen its fair share of overly ambitious plans and false starts in recent years. What, we ask, makes now any different? Glenn, this story's got a bit of everything. It's got immigration, it's got investment, it's got a brand new T20 franchise league on the horizon. We've even got a governing body getting thrown out of the ICC to get stuck into. What have people got to look forward to in your episode coming up? Yeah, cheers, Dan. I mean, you've lived here before. I'm here now. And it's just such an exciting time to be talking about cricket in the United States. Um, You know, to be honest, when I did move here a couple of years ago, I didn't think I'd be talking about cricket. I didn't think I'd be researching cricket. And certainly I didn't think I'd potentially be watching a lot of cricket here in the U.S., Um, If listeners have seen anything at all um, about US cricket, they may have noticed uh, Liam Plunkett announced he's going to be coming over here recently, which makes him one of the first players um, confirmed to be playing uh, in Major League Cricket, which is a new T20 franchise league that we're going to be examining throughout this pod. Um, And, you know, other people may have noticed uh, the national team, the uh, USA men's national team, recently drew with Ireland in a T20 series in Florida, which was really impressive stuff. Um, So there are a lot of reasons to be excited, um, but at the same time, it's pretty far from playing sailing as you mentioned um, there are governance issues and a lot of skepticism um, from observers regarding cricket's potential growth over here so since it's such an interesting situation um, i thought our classic rain stop play terrible takes aren't going to be quite enough for this one so we spoke to some real ex- experts to find out what's actually going on they don't agree with everything and there's plenty of big questions to debate so we're going to let listeners make their own minds up as to whether u.s cricket can be a real success or not It's an immensely exciting time to be following cricket in the US right now. Minor League Cricket completed its first season last year. Major League Cricket, a franchise T20 league that hopes to bring world-class cricket to the country, is slated to begin in 2023. And, remarkably, the US was announced as a co-host of the 2024 World Cup with the West Indies. The US men's national team is also improving and welcomed Ireland to Florida in December 2021 for a COVID-affected series, the first ever test-playing nation to tour the country. If that sounds too good to be true, some critics say it is. Erratic governance, a scarcity of turf pitches, and a lack of equity for women's cricket are all issues that threaten to derail cricket's growth. But before we get into all of those talking points with our fantastic selection of guests, what is cricket in the United States? Listeners might be surprised to learn that cricket has a much longer history in the region than you might think, dating all the way back to the 18th century. The earliest reference to the sport comes from the diary of William Byrd, a slaveholder in colonial Virginia in 1709. It would be 40 more years until the cricket match was publicly reported, with the New York Gazette and the Weekly Postboy covering a match between a travelling eleven from London and a team from New York City in 1751. This makes the US's cricket journey as long as, or even longer than, giants of the game like India. Yet cricket's position in the US's sports space wasn't sustained beyond the 19th century, as Tom Donmore, Vice President of Marketing at Major League Cricket, told us. Cricket in the US has had a, a checkered past, I think it's fair to say, uh, from, you know, from some success in the 19th century 
uh, where it was, uh, if not one of the leading cricket nations, certainly had a lot of very good cricket being played and some good facilities uh, and some first-class players who could compete with, with some of the best uh, in the world to completely pulling off the map, at least the professional map and even really the semi-professional map outside of the few strongholds in the Northeast for, for most of the, the 20th century. Cricket's decline in the United States has been attributed to a variety of factors by historians. A key reason often cited is the sport's close ties to England. As a newly independent nation, the United States needed its own homegrown sports, hence the rapid growth of baseball, which ultimately displaced cricket and became the country's national pastime. Yet this explanation has been refuted by George B. Kirsch, Emeritus Professor at Manhattan College. It was highly unlikely that Americans would choose cricket as a national pastime, states Kirsch, but that did not mean that they would reject the game completely. Other British sports, he points out, such as tennis, rowing and golf, were adopted by the US. Instead, Kish attributes cricket's decline and baseball's ascension to the availability of pitches, a baseball diamond is easier to procure and maintain than a cricket wicket, and the structural characteristics of both sports. Simply put, cricket took too long to play, days of course instead of hours, and lacked enough exercise opportunities for players. Writing in 1877, baseball player William R. Wheaton, who also played cricket during his youth, called the game slow and lazy and criticised how some players might stand around all afternoon without getting a chance to stretch their legs. In turn, the sport's slow pace and inconsistent entertainment value failed to endear it to spectators and sports writers, a further reason for its decline. But some say T20 cricket has the potential to counter this outdated perception of cricket as slow and galvanise the sport's growth in the country. This is the view of Todd Myers, Senior Vice President of Global Operations at Willow TV, the premier broadcaster of cricket in the US and Canada. I think T20 cricket is certainly the, the, the long-term path in the US. Um, as we try to continue to grow our fan base, you know, it's just unlikely that the average American is going to want to sit and watch, you know, up to five consecutive days of cricket, right? I mean, it just, it's a lot to ask for as you're trying to introduce someone new to the game. So the T20 format is certainly the growth engine to get new fans into the tent. Clearly, the T20 format has opened up novel possibilities for cricket's growth in new markets around the world. But US cricket's 21st century revival has also been spurred by increased immigration from the Caribbean and South Asia in recent decades. The South Asian population in the US grew a staggering 40% in seven years, from 3.5 million in 2010 to 5.4 million in 2017, giving the sport a vibrant new base of support. Yet governance issues continue to trouble US cricket, as Tom explains. To starting to rebound, with more and more immigrants coming in from cricket-loving countries from the 90s onwards, which saw the game start to develop more at the amateur level. Um, but what continued to plague it was a lot of administrative um, challenges that, that uh, just didn't allow it to have a coherent plan attached to how you grow the sport, you know, unlike soccer or uh, more recently rugby as well, which have had those more coherent plans, cricket, was all over the map and, and ultimately USACA, the previous administration of, of US cricket governing body, was expelled from the ICC. USACA's expulsion came after years of disputes, financial difficulties and public arguments with the US player base. USA cricket has now replaced USACA as the sport's US governing body and appears to be in much better standing with the ICC. Indeed, as Parag Marate, the chair of USA cricket, has stated, the ICC has identified the USA as a strategic market for growth that will benefit cricket around the world. However, as ESPN Crickinfo's US correspondent Peter Delapena noted when I asked him to sum up the current state of the game in the country right now, concerns around the sport's governance haven't magically disappeared. My favourite quote when people ask me this question is, I always say, there's never a dull day in US cricket. And that means a hell of a lot of things that there's activity on the field and there's probably just as much activity off the field in terms of administrative chaos, which even in a new governing body that was approved by the ICC seems to never cease. Literally within 24 hours of each other, you had the CEO of USA Cricket 
announcing his resignation, followed less than 24 hours later by the ICC announcing that USA and Cricket West Indies had been awarded co-hosting rights for the 2024 Men's T20 World Cup. So you get peaks and valleys, sometimes very, very close back-to-back against each other. You have the launch of minor league cricket this past year with its first official full season, which was run fairly smoothly. It did have some hiccups, I would say, and there were some things that still need to be ironed out with the organization and the running of that event. But the fact that it got off the ground when so many other competitions that have been proposed fail to launch, I think is an achievement in its own right in that regard. But then you have a situation where we're running now close to two years without an election. And the fact that People have paid for memberships, were promised to be able to have the right to vote, were promised to have a lot of other things too, in terms of a smooth and properly run administration with representation. And instead, what's happened is that the same problems that plagued American cricket in the USACA era with poor governance and poor administration are now rearing their head again in the USA cricket era. Because at the end of the day, even though the name on the front of the building, and the logo may have changed. The reality is a lot of the same faces and characters behind the scenes did not change. They're still involved. And some of the people who are responsible for the administrative chaos in the USACA era are still trying to dip their fingers in to disrupt things in the current administration. Anytime someone raises issues with these constitutional problems, oh, well, keep your mouth shut. We've got USA is playing Ireland. Get excited about that. What are you complaining about? USA just went undefeated in Antigua. They're going to the World Cup qualifiers. You know, quit complaining. Quit being a troublemaker. Shut up. Don't worry about the off the field stuff and the governance. We got a successful team on the field. So quit complaining. And there's, there's just all these things happening in U.S. cricket that keep everything in a state of, of flux. And, and going back to what I started with, there's never a dull day in U.S. cricket, Glenn. That catches us up with the story so far. But can US cricket be a success, despite its tumultuous past? One necessity for growing cricket in the US is building organic, viable leagues, which can both attract world stars and develop domestic talent. I asked Vice President of Marketing at Major League Cricket, Tom Dunmore, to explain what minor and Major League Cricket are, and how they are linked. Yeah, so Major League Cricket, you know, it was important for us that not only do we launch a world-class T20 league in, in the vein of other uh, franchise T20 leagues like you know the Big Bash or um, you know the hundred, uh, but that particularly because cricket doesn't have the infrastructure around it that other countries that have those established franchise leagues do, that we develop a framework for the sport uh, as a whole that can feed into Major League Cricket and into the national teams. And so that means beyond just having it the, the tournament of Major League Cricket itself, uh, we launched Minor League Cricket as the the pathway. Uh, to Major League Cricket and and to the national teams for developing players and for established players to get regular high-class competition as well because there, there isn't any other national uh, T20 competition uh, in, in the country. So we launched the, the first national T20 championship last uh, summer with uh, the Minor League Cricket Championship. Uh, we had 27 teams take part. We had more than 200 matches uh, over 21 cities around the vast United States. Uh, and that was by far the most extensive cricket competition to take place ever in, in America. Uh, and it really raised the game in terms of the community uh, embracing it, teams stepping up to the plate, owners stepping up to the plate, uh, to use a, a different bat and ball analogy, uh, and, um, and making sure that we could bring quality cricket uh, to all those locations across the country and, and provide opportunities for young players to take part. Every team was required to roster a certain amount of young players on, on their, their squad. 
Um, uh, and then we also had a lot of our professional players that we've signed with Major League Cricket take part in the competition as, as well. Uh, players like Corey Anderson from New Zealand or Sami Asim from Pakistan, uh, Shane Jasiria from Sri Lanka. Uh, so we, we've signed a lot of uh, excellent you know, international players who have played test or first or one day or T20 cricket for their countries. And now they have come to the US, they're living here. Uh, they sign with us year round. They'll play minor league cricket, they'll coach, mentor, you know, help out with the, the younger player development. Uh, and then they'll play in major league cricket when we launch as well. So that sort of gives you, you know, the, the idea that it's, it's about building the, the blocks. It'll uh, create a structure for the game to develop as a whole. So there is that regular competition. So there's a pathway. So there's competition amongst uh, the players eligible for the national team and the developing U19 players as well, which we're fortunate to have a really good uh, stock of, of young American players coming through right now. So it, it's really uh, going to raise the game across the country. Uh, Major League, when it launches, will be on a different you know, tier to that. It'll, it will be a, a world-class competition where we, we bring in uh, you know, each team, and there'll be six teams when we launch. Each team will bring in multiple uh, world-class players to come and play uh, for the tournament. Just, just as you see uh, with the other big T20 franchise competitions, um, and then there will be the stock of domestic players who have come through minor league cricket or, or have signed year-round with major league cricket that will uh, be part of the competition as well to make sure we have a really good level of professional. Uh, high quality um, yeah, players uh, in the league. So uh, Americans do love seeing the highest level of competition. So we'll be able to bring really, really good cricket, which is which is important and, and something that's more challenging for, for some other legacy European sports to, you know, to bring bring over. Smith Patel, CrickBuzz's USA correspondent, was equally positive. Of course, of course, uh, because I was talking to Venki Mysore. Uh, the CEO of Kolkata Knight Riders. And when he broke the news, so when the news broke out of KKR partnering with uh, or, or getting a team uh, with, with MLC, uh, the 2020 IPL was going on in Dubai. Uh, you know, and he broke the news to the players as well. Uh, and you can well imagine uh, the type of players were, that were contracted with KKR in 2020, right? So they were, it, these are Venki Mysore's words, uh, just tell us when and where. Really? When they talk about, you know, playing in the USA came up. Yeah, I mean, who, I mean, USA is a land of opportunities, you know, who doesn't want to uh, land themselves now over here, you know, get exposure over here on a quick buck while at it. Uh, of course, man. Who, who, yeah. So, yeah. There's there's no question of non-availability of of uh, your of of world-class players. Uh, and look at the type of people who have committed to take cricket forward via MLC. Look at the pedigree of the people, right? Uh, you have the Satya Nadellas uh, of this world, the CEO of Microsoft. Uh, you have the Shah Rukh Khans and, uh, you know, Shantanu Narayan of Adobe Systems. Um, you know, the, the who's who of Silicon Valley is, is has, you know, uh, tried to associate themselves with, with the league. Despite Tom and Smith's optimism, there are differing opinions on Major League Cricket's ability to secure world-class talent for the league. ESPN Crick Info's Peter Della Pena was more skeptical. I'll never forget the introductory press conference. Prague Marathi, the USA Cricket Board chairman, spoke one of the great contradictions I think I've ever heard for how he was selling the league. And he basically said that America prides itself on being the best, having the best sports, having the best athletes. And why Americans love the Olympics is that we love gold medal winners. All true. And why Michael Phelps or Lance Armstrong, before everybody knew he was cheating, uh, become iconic figures, even though they're not part of quote, quote, big four sports. 
because people love a winner and USA women's gymnastics team having a gold medalist all around champion, whether, you know, going back 30 plus years ago to Mary Lou Retton or Nastia Lucan or Gabby Douglas or anybody else, um, you know, it's, Hey, we've got a gold medalist. Wow. Who, who doesn't love them? Right. And um, then he says, we want major league cricket. Our goal is for it to be the second best franchise cricket league behind the IPL. Now, how do you reconcile for people who aren't watching this conversation? Glenn is laughing right now. Glenn has got a big smile on his face because he recognizes it. How do you reconcile telling people and selling people on cricket by saying America wants the best and only the best. And then literally minutes later, you tell me we want to be the number two cricket league behind the Indian Premier League. How are people going to get excited about that? Honestly speaking. And the level of player that you are recruiting indicates also that you see yourselves as a second best league. You're not getting Andre Russell. You're not getting MS Dhoni or Yuvraj or Virat Kohli or whoever is going to be the Indian superstar du jour in 2023, 2024, Risha Pant, or if Rohit Sharma is, is still in vogue, right? Um, you're not getting, you're not getting Kane Williamson. You're not getting Joe Root. Uh, you're not getting Bob Rossum. Who, who is being recruited at this point in time, who are the players who have signed contracts for Major League Cricket? Corey Anderson is the Corey Anderson of 2014, 2015. That was absolutely box office and a showstopper and somebody who I would have paid to see. Just the way that he hit the ball and the way he fielded and the way that he bowled, just an incredible around. Is that the... Corey Anderson that people are going to get if they buy a ticket to go watch him in Dallas in 2023? No. Is Unmuk Chand, the Unmuk Chand that delivered India in the under-19 World Cup, did Unmuk Chand ever get to play for India? Why is he? Why did Unmuk Chand come to California? His opportunities dried up in India. It wasn't good enough anymore. Why did Sami Aslam come to California to sign a contract? His opportunities dried up in Pakistan. He played test cricket for Pakistan, yes. But he's not in the test cricket team now. His opportunities dried up. That's the caliber of player you're getting. It's somebody who used to be good, but whose form is dipped. They're not quite where they once were. You look at the CPL. Why did the CPL stop coming back to Florida? Nobody was buying tickets to those games. The caliber player, even when it was Andre Russell versus Steve Smith, when Steve Smith was in exile after the Sandpaper Gate episode, there's a reason why he was in Florida that year. Steve Smith, one of the best players in the world against Andre Russell, Barbados Tridents against Jamaica Tallis. There were 700 people in the stadium in Lauderhill that night to watch a game. And I know that because I counted them individually. The stadium was empty. It didn't take me more than three overs to go through the crowd and count everybody one by one. Okay. So even that caliber player, people are not buying tickets to watch. If they're not buying tickets to watch Andre Russell, and Steve Smith, at their peak, do you really think they're going to buy tickets to watch a past his prime Corey Anderson or a past his prime Moon Mukchand or a past his prime Sammy Aslam or other players who never were in their prime? Not to be disrespectful, but this is just the reality. You have to look at this very pragmatically. I don't see how... This is a viable strategy when the cricket fans are not buying tickets. Again, who was, who were the people who were buying tickets to the CPL cricket fans, hardcore cricket fans were bypassing the opportunity to watch Andre Russell and Steve Smith. So if you can't even get the diehards to fill the stadium, to watch some of the best players in the world, how are we going to get the casual sports fan to turn out to some of these games and recruit new fans? a very very optimistic strategy they have if it succeeds 
it would be one of the greatest success stories in the history of American sports. But again, you look at you look at it, the MLS. MLS tried has tried a similar strategy, bringing in the likes of David Beckham and Steven Gerrard and Wayne Rooney. How successful has that been? You know, David Beckham, his first season, yeah, he was selling out stadiums, but after the kind of the 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 new fancy kind of um, to borrow a term from from uh, somebody I talked to recently, Dan Magala, who does a lot of marketing. When when the bucket list kind of element of this has worn off, okay, is the quality there to sustain it beyond it being a bucket list moment? Same issue is is going to be encountered in the professional setup that's trying to be conducted in American cricket. And so realistically, I don't see it as a viable long-term strategy unless they get local players to develop. If you can get a Steven Taylor developed in Florida, or you can get a Rahul Jarawala developed out of California and people in the San Francisco community rally around a Rahul Jarawala because he's the son of the soil born and raised in, in Fremont in Northern California. And they sell him as the draw card. Come see Rahul Jarawala, USA national team player and uh, superstar wicketkeeper for the San Francisco franchise in Major League Cricket. I think people would buy a ticket to that because they they feel connected to that as part of the community. I don't feel people are. I don't think people are going to feel connected, have an emotional connection to some random former Pakistan Test player. So I know people are optimistic. They think it's going to be different. They think. They've got a great concept. I'm sure they think all those things, but the reality is is uh, a much, much greater hurdle to clear when 2023 comes around. Steve Steinberg, editor of Crick America, a website that aims to demystify cricket for Americans and promote the sport's growth, argues US cricket can carve out an appealing niche for itself and gain acceptance from mainstream American sports fans. I don't think folks right now in England or Australia are paying attention to what's going on in U.S. cricket scene. Um, there's just there's no reason to. I think if there's a, a strong domestic franchise T20 league that has players from around the world playing, I think that changes everything. And I think the U.S. has the ability, again, based on the fact that it it knows how to do sports, knows how to develop sports, it knows how to market sports. That you know, if you've got guys that are you know willing to, you know, I mean, you look at so many of these guys, you know, playing out in Abu Dhabi this week, and then they go to Bangladesh, and then they go to Sri Lanka. It's, you know, to be able to go to the U.S. and play for two months and make some serious money, you know, just, you know, especially if you're a West Indies player where it's literally a short flight, a short flight home in a way. I mean, you can literally, you know, fly home to the West Indies if you're, you know, especially if matches are in Florida or in Texas. And that's a short ride. You can literally be playing in a T20 franchise tournament, making good money and sleeping in your own bed a couple of times a week. Um, no, no, no one else offers that. Um, so I think, uh, you know, Major League Cricket, if it can pull in big names from around the world and have solid, you know, and have by that time, you know, you're a year away from the World Cup being here. So theoretically you've developed some really good, you know, homegrown T20 talent. There's no reason that, you know, I think once the, once the U.S. can sort of compete at that level, whether it's, you know, almost at the level of the, the Sri Lankan league or whatever, it's a step in the right direction. And if they can, if the, if the, if season one goes well, you know, sky's the limit on where season two, season three can go. And that's when it goes exponentially. And that's when people start to catch on because now they're seeing you know, it's, it's, and again, the, the optics are such a, you know, optics are so important. It's one thing to watch, you know, you can say, okay, we watched, you know, a, you know, a minor league cricket game on YouTube and it was a two, two camera setup and, you know, kind of difficult to follow whatever, just because two cameras, you're not really getting that much versus, you know, major league cricket three years down the road with, you know, you know, a, you know, some sort of network sponsorship or some there's a network deal where it's, you know, even if it's not playing on NBC, it might be playing on NBC Sports, or if it's not playing on CBS, it's going to play on CBS Sports um, or ESPN. You know, 
in a dedicated cricket stadium with, you know, with fans, with multi-camera setup, with all the sorts of things we expect, you know, a pregame show, all the things we expect from, you know, a major league baseball telecast, an NFL telecast, an NBA telecast. Once we get those, and then that's when the sport gets acceptance. That's when parents say, yeah, I want my kid to play cricket. But there's a difference between growth and organic sustainable growth. Getting kids playing cricket is, without a doubt, an utmost priority for sustainably growing the sport. As USA Cricket states in their foundational plan, we recognize that to grow and develop the sport in the USA for the next generation and for it to become a leading cricket nation, we need to create and engage new and younger cricket fans, players, officials and coaches. Tom also sees winning over the next generation of fans as essential. Think of my kids, you know, I, you know, I'm an immigrant from England, grew up watching Love and Cricket. My kids, you know, if it wasn't for me, obviously they wouldn't be very exposed to cricket, but because they are, they, they get the basics of it, they understand it. You know, they know Australia is a big bad team that they shouldn't like. Uh, <laughs> and they know, that, you know, they know that England, uh, English test cricket will always torture their, their father. Um, so they have an idea what it is. They, we play in the, you know, we play in the, the backyard. And they get the basics. Um, if I can give them a national team that they can watch and be proud of, if we can give them the chance to go to a major league cricket match and see the best players in the world uh, in the U.S., if they can have a team they can call their own somewhere in the Midwest, um, you know that, that's the key to lifelong fandom and to engaging them with American cricket. Um, but we need to to provide those opportunities because they're they're not there at their schools or you know unlike soccer they're not you know all their friends aren't playing and you know, they're not naturally going to, to soccer matches. So we, we have to, while that this big generation of, of immigrants from particularly South Asia is here and has come here with cricket passion, we need to win those younger children uh, before they grow up and don't know what cricket is. The current lack of youth participation in US cricket is also a source of concern for Peter. So when people say cricket is growing in America, is it growing organically? The big The bigger question is, grassroots okay you look at other sports whether it's in the u.s or internationally the pyramid for participation is youth at the bottom creating the base and the bulk of the participation and that should be about 90 to 95 percent if not more of your, your playing base and then the the older the age groups get it starts to thin out and you get less and less players until you get to the professional pathway which is the top of the pyramid in American cricket is the exact opposite. You have maybe 200,000, if you're being generous players in all sorts of leagues. Again, it's very hard to document because these leagues themselves play in the shadows. They, they don't like to draw attention to themselves for various reasons. Okay. They don't really solicit or recruit for growth and expansion. It's just, I want to play my game of cricket. So you might have 200,000 players who are playing club cricket, club cricket with quotation marks around it, but is it a genuine club structure? No, they don't own their own property. They don't own their own land. They don't have a club premises. They don't have a club ground. They don't have a bar to generate revenue. Okay. And part of that, they don't have families involved. You don't have a sustainable pipeline of members because there's no youth. There's no grassroots. They don't have a junior section. So their entire membership for clubs around America in terms of cricket is entirely dependent on sustained migration patterns. Very rarely do you find clubs where members of the club have been club members for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. It's very transient, the experience of cricket in America. Guy gets a job, comes over on an H-1B visa from India, Pakistan, or wherever. He, he works in New Jersey for four years, five years, and he might take up a job in California gets a different employer, he takes that job, he ditches his club in New Jersey. And there's there's a spot, there's a vacancy there, but it's not necessarily filled or they're not, you know, chomping at the bit to fill it or, you know, um, there's not a sense of like, oh, well, it's okay if player X leaves because we've got a second 11 or third 11 pipeline. It's, oh, well, the spot is open up. Do you know, do you have a friend who can fill his spot on Saturday morning? Call, call up somebody on Friday night, right? Um, because you don't have junior sections. There's no emphasis on grassroots. If you look at, you know, again, 200,000, let's say 200,000 people playing cricket in America, 
is probably less than 3,000 of that number are junior players. So 98.5% of your playing base is adults when every other sport in America and in a lot of sports internationally, it's the exact opposite. 98% of your playing base should be junior players. You don't have that in American cricket. So in that sense, how is, how is cricket supposed to be sustained in America? How is cricket supposed to grow in America? All these comparisons keep being made about how the bringing a cricket world cup to America is going to produce this explosion of growth akin to the 1994 FIFA world cup, because uh, look what happened to soccer and that's just going to happen to cricket too. All we've got to do is wave the magic wand and we've got the world cup now. So the same thing's going to happen. No, no, the conditions are not the same. This is what keeps getting overlooked by a lot of people. And cricket's failure to promote women's opportunities in the sport also undermines its possibilities for growth in the saturated American sports market. Cricket in America has been essentially a male sport for 150, 200 years. The women's program for American cricket was started in 2009. And since it was started in 2009, basically nobody's done anything with it. They, they just left it to magically grow on its own without actually putting any effort into it. And so 12 years later, since the first women's national team was fielded in 2009 at a World Cup qualifier in Florida, where they played Argentina and Brazil and Canada, I believe. Okay, 12 years later, there are maybe 200 female cricketers nationwide. That's extraordinary. If you consider, if you look at uh, analysis databases, uh, the Aspen Institute out of Colorado does a great job of this, tracking youth sport participation, but in particular, boys and girls youth sport participation. If you look at their data figures, You've got something like, I think, 400 or 500,000 girls playing youth softball under the age of 13. Girls soccer is the number one, I believe, number one girls participation sport in America. And they've got something like 1.5 million girls playing youth soccer. Okay. Um, girls cricket doesn't exist, generally speaking. Yeah, you've got some pockets in, in San Francisco. They're doing some youth girls cricket out there and, and in Maryland and maybe one or two other places and maybe slightly in New York with the public schools athletic league where girls are allowed to play as co-ed members on the boys teams, which are predominantly boys teams in the public schools athletic league. But um, generally speaking, nothing is done for girls. Keeping these possibilities and concerns in mind, I asked our guests how they think the future of U.S. cricket will unfold. You know, it's obviously not going to happen overnight. And, you know, I think T20 is definitely going to be the way it, Americans get to understand the sport. I mean, you can just see more stuff happen. You can learn the rules faster because more different situations happen more often, if that makes sense. You know, I can, you know, I can watch a T20, you know, I can watch three hours of T20 and see run outs, buy outs, bowls, you know, guys getting bowled out. I can see, you know, going up to the third umpire to check on LBW. I can see a boundary catch. I can see a lot of things where if I watch three hours of test cricket, I'm not going to see all those things. I'm not going to see a lot of runs scored. I'm not going to, you know, it, it, again, I don't think test cricket is, you know, and again, this is just my goofy opinion. Test cricket in my head isn't the best way to, to, to you know, it's not the best first impressions for, you know, a new, you know, American sports audience that's used to a lot of fast dynamic stuff. You know, that's not to say it won't catch on because I mean, people say, well, Americans don't have the attention span for a five game, blah, 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 five day thing. And it's like, no, I mean, we want, you know, every weekend there's a golf tournament. There's two, there's multiple, there's the men's, there's the women's, there's the thing. Um, and, you know, I've, I've written two books about golf. I know, Golf, you know, you know, it's it's not going to be the exact same demographic in terms of sports fans, but a ridiculous amount of sports fans that watch football, baseball, basketball are also watching golf. They're watching. They might not watch. They might not watch Thursday afternoon, the first round, but they're watching Sunday afternoon, the finals. They're watching, you know, Saturday afternoon to see who's who's, who's going to be set up, you know, to play really well on Sunday. Um, you know, every sport has multi-game playoff series. You know. You know, 
you know, and, you know, the later you go, they're mostly, you know, if you go to the, you know, NBA Major League Baseball, they're all four out of seven series. And that's, you know, it's a week and a half of watching two teams play each other. Um, yeah, you get, you do get a, you do get a final result at the end of every day, which is a little bit different from test cricket, but ultimately it's, it's the same thing. You're, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's watching, it's, it's, you know, watching, you know, a, a, a cliffhanger ending. It's watching a, a series of shows as opposed to one episode. Um, so I don't, I don't think that, you know, that big hurdle that everyone says, well, the Americans don't have the attention span. I, I don't think that holds water. I think I'd, I'd love to see it where, where in, in you know, in cities uh, and in, in the national profile, people realize what, what cricket is, that it isn't croquet, that it isn't a, a slow paced 19th century game that takes days to play, though I love test cricket personally. I think it's going to be a little while till we can have test cricket here. But it's a game that's fun, exciting to watch. It's global. It's got drama. It's got great play. The sport itself is just a fantastic sport with almost endless variation and excitement to it. And to see that reflected in both some new fans coming out and enjoying it, experiencing it, to the media embracing it, and telling stories around it, to players having a chance to, to come and experience, um, you know, major league sport uh, in the U.S. and seeing an American spin on, on cricket. I think that's that's going to be what, what's most interesting. Um, again, it's a big country. You know, what uh, what a cricket condition is going to be like in Seattle versus Florida. You know, what a pitch condition is going to be like, overhead conditions. It's... It's going to be fun to see cricket take that American spin. And I think Major League Cricket is going to be the first big step on that, followed up by the World Cup the year after, which is which is great timing. So I'd like to see the cricket world um, take some notice and, and take uh, see what we're doing. And I think that will be, you know, cricket world will be fascinated by it. Um, and I, I just want to see fans embrace it because at the end of the day, that's, that's what we're here for, to bring cricket to American fans. So... Yeah, uh, USA cricket would do itself good uh, to first of all keep their house in order. Uh, you know, of course, by sticking to the const- I'm saying the, uh, the the you know the whatever the constitution or whatever, mm-hmm. and you know pledging by it basically, uh, holding regular elections and whatnot, playing by the book, and uh, because if you know for some reason these people or, you know, MLC pulls out of, um, you know, cricket in the U.S. Cricket in the U.S. will be thrown into the darker ages again. And probably this time to never, never, never recuperate. Because tell me something, if these people won't be able to do it, the names that I've taken, who's going to be able to do it? Brilliant stuff, Glenn. Thank you so much for that fascinating uh, discussion there. Thank you again to all the guests that joined us. Um, so having heard what you thought, Glenn, obviously you interviewed all these guys. Um, I've got Zach and Will with us as well. We'll chat about it in a minute. What are your initial feelings about the current state of cricket in the US after chatting to these these great people? Yeah, thanks, Dan. Uh, yeah, and just to reiterate, thank you so much to the fantastic guests who are very generous with their time. Um, yeah, I'm feeling, I'd say, cautiously optimistic, Dan. I think there are genuine reasons um, to be uh, excited about the state of cricket uh, in the USA right now. Um, I mean, you know, as we mentioned at the top of this pod, the fact that there was a 27 team, uh, you know, uh, league competition that, that that worked out, I would say that was a success. Um, really, really impressive um, to to get that off the ground and to get it functioning. So that was great. And then obviously you're looking to the future, right? So minor league cricket, I think, was really solid, um, really good debut season. That's going to be um, annually uh, moving forward. And then you look at major league cricket, right, which is um, planned um, to start in 2023. Going to have six teams there, you know, as our as Tom was mentioning um, during the pod. And yeah, I, that's that's going to be the real, I guess. Um, 
crucial juncture here uh, it's going to be how many people can we get in the grounds what is the quality of cricket like and you know most fundamentally what players are we going to be seeing right my personal uh, concern i do have is you know it's quite a crowded uh, kind of ecosystem for franchise cricket i mean there there has to be you know a cap uh, for a the players you know even talk about bubbles and stuff now even post pandemic there's only so many leagues that cricket can play in across the world um so that's a, a slight worry for me but you know we the us obviously is super close to the caribbean to the west indies so you probably will get the at the very least the best players from the west indies here i'd say that's almost guaranteed um and then if if smith's right um, and, you know, people who own franchises like KKR um, in the IPL are also excited about this. Then there is a real possibility um, of quality cricket. Um, and then you've got the national team. I think it's a shame that the um, USA Island series was so COVID affected because that was the first time. Right. You know, a full test playing nation has toured here. But the fact they won that first game uh, says a lot. And I think a couple of the people I spoke to seem pretty certain that the USA men's team, as it stands right now, they are equal quality with teams like Scotland, uh, you know, maybe even better than teams like Amman potentially. So they would fit really nicely in that kind of T20 minnows group that we that we talked about before. So there's definitely grounds for optimism. But then other stuff, you know, there's a lack of turf pitches. That's crucial infrastructure. And there's a real imbalance between funding um, and support for women's cricket here as opposed to men's cricket. It really is male dominated, which just in, you know, the, the um, you know, current state of sport in the USA, that's just not sustainable. That's not going to fly. And cricket um, really needs to invest seriously in women's cricket because there's going to be comparisons with soccer and major league um, soccer. But unless you have more women playing cricket here, which was the case, uh, it's a very popular sport for for women um, uh, soccer is in the US. Unless you get that balance right, I think it could be a very top down uh, approach to the game, which may not be sustainable. I, I, I find your optimism nearly infectious, Glenn, nearly. I'm, I'm on the side of the pessimist that we've heard from uh, in the last 45 minutes or so. Um, I follow my American sport quite closely. I lived out there for a while. I got family there and I, I just don't see where it fits in the American ecosystem for sport. And I think uh, one of the guests, I can't remember his name, unfortunately, I can't remember which one it was, but he mentioned golf and how that does actually have quite a few people watching it, despite what we consider it, its relative popularity. Uh, the weekend we're recording this on, they're playing in, in Arizona at the minute and they've got a stadium of 40,000 people on one golf hole. And it is it is spectator sport at its finest. I just don't I don't see where cricket fits into that in America. Um, you spoke really nicely about how how it compares to baseball and why baseball was taken up instead of cricket. And I I just don't see it picking up as much as golf has, as even soccer has in the last 20 years or so. So I tend to be on the pessimistic side as much as I'd love to see cricket out there. And I just don't think it I don't, I don't think it matters what caliber of player you get what availability it is like a grassroots. I just don't know whether it's going to occupy the same sort of spaces that baseball, NBA, football, American football and soccer do, despite it wanting to be part of that. Maybe in a real long-term goal it can, but for me, I am on the side of the pessimist at the minute, as much as I want to be a bit more optimistic. I, I agree, Dan. And the thing with those other sports, I, I don't claim to be, to know all about golf, but I think the Americans are quite good at it themselves. They you are know, quite good at it, yeah. There's a lot of good Yeah, they're quite golf. good at themselves, yeah football as well at the moment you know there's a fair few americans coming through you know christian pulisic playing in the premier league so that will help whereas players even if you get the best players coming over to play in a franchise league if the local players are a whole kind of quality below which the the majority would be i don't think people are going to get that into it because you know they need a national team to support and yeah, it's it's a difficult one because I think it could, like Dan said, in the long term be positive. But if they're trying to build towards hosting a T20 World Cup in two years, I, d I don't think they're going to have much have much uh, hope in doing well in that. Really, you know, that they're in the qualifier for this year's T20 World Cup. They're not they're not going to make it because they've got to play against they've got to play against other other small nations. But the small nations with a lot more cricket history, like Zimbabwe and. In the Netherlands and Uganda and even our favourites, Papua New Guinea. I think all of these teams could give, you know, America, it's going to be a bit tough for them to get through to the, and they wouldn't, even if they got through, they would still then get through to that early qualifier stage. 
So you know, I, I again, I like the I like the optimism, but I don't I don't see where it fits. Will, can you can you brighten up the end part of this podcast? Come on, USA cricket is going to be amazing, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. I mean, ah. I, sit, I, I no, I think I think I sit a little bit like Peter, kind of between two camps. And I think it really depends on what the measure of success is that we're trying to base it off. And one of the key questions that I have coming out of, of, of all those guests is what is the long term commitment from some of the people involved in it? Because we mentioned how, you know, the old cricket authority, the governing body in the US got kicked out of the ICC not five years ago. And now here we have this revived authority, which is sort of a combination of some similar people, plus broadcasters, TV rights holders, people who have a vested financial interest in the game succeeding. But the question is, how committed are they to a long term program and, and, and a sustainable um, setup for cricket in America if it doesn't kick off in year one? I do worry that some people have this vision that just by promising a franchise in LA, you will get the biggest stars in the world to come play there and that will guarantee you good revenue from year one and then it will become its own thing. Um, and I think that's probably not hugely likely, albeit I think it's not that hard to, to see a successful franchise league in America in, in the next two, three years. And I think the way that I would think about that and respond to your point, Dan, that, that I would think about cricket in America less as cricket finding its place within the American sports market for Americans and more as like a sort of colony slash holiday of the international cricket community, which happens to be based in the United States. Um, and I think, you know, how many good franchise leagues do we have? You know, you've, you've got the IPL, the BBL, the PSL, even the Blast slash 100 isn't fantastic quality, although we like it. It's not that difficult to see to en to envisage a U.S. franchise contest if, as Glenn says, you get most of the West Indies players, you get you know the Paul Sterlings of the world and a few other you know of the circuit players. It's it's totally plausible to see that as a successful franchise tournament on on the sort of second rung of that. But what I'm more interested in 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 a way is 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 can you connect that with the community of cricket fans in America, which is already there? And I think that's the key question that a lot of guests referred back to. And at the moment, it feels a little bit disconnected to me between the two objectives you've got this very top-down franchise driven approach to try and get star players in and deliver a market and you've also got this community largely driven by recent immigration of of cricket fans who are in america but may or may not have an interest in american cricket itself and those two things don't quite seem to be talking to each other or working together at the moment having said that it's not that impossible to see a successful United States national team. And I think that's I'm more interested in the national team side of things than the franchise. I think, because we end up seeing lots of the same players at every franchise league around the world. And again, to your point, Dan, yeah, it's not going to be in the top five sports in America or even top 10 sports in America. But it doesn't necessarily need to be. Ireland have had a lot of success recently. And, and you know, I, I don't have any numbers on this in front of me, but I know that, you know, soccer is the third or fourth biggest sport in Ireland. So I'm presuming that cricket is, is you know, five, six, seventh at best. And yet they very successfully operate at that second rung of internationally competitive teams. And when you're looking at that band, you know, UAE, Oman, Netherlands, Namibia, there's absolutely no reason that given three or four or five years to build, the US national team can't be competing in that bracket. That's a great way to shape it, actually. I think me thinking, oh, it has to immediately dominate the American landscape for Americans, which it even if it became really popular, I think it would struggle to do that. But thinking about it from a, an international cricket community to watch that a little bit more. America, obviously, being such a big place, you could play kind of in different parts of the States whenever you want. I know this this kind of happens a little bit in Australia, where in the Northern Territories, they play their, their like first grade competition in everyone else's winter because of the way, because obviously, again, Australia is a massive place. So America could kind of just try and fit in whenever it can. You know, or I know it, it, one one way they could develop is what is what they do in the UAE or in, even in Spain. They do this as well, where they get county teams to come over in their pre-season and they play. They do a bit of kind of warm weather in in March when it's you know just raining every day in England. It's a little bit further than going than going to Spain, but I can't imagine. I don't know. Flights similar to the east coast of USA to is to the UAE. I think that sounds about right, doesn't it? So. Yeah, why don't why don't Somerset go there instead of going to the UAE this March? Play some teams there and help develop cricket in America. 
I love the idea. And I know I know one of the guests said it of like what's a pitch in Seattle going to be like versus San Diego versus Indiana. It, it, that that that's for a, a long way in the future, but that could be quite exciting. Um, so just wrapping up, then I'm looking at the uh, USA Cricket foundational plan. It's a big PDF document. I'd recommend everybody read it. It is a it's a page turner or PDF scroller, however you read it. Um, 2030 USA Cricket becomes full member of the ICC is the plan. Glenn and anyone else who wants to chime in on this thoughts eight years from now full ICC member are we are we thinking they're on the right track to do that as of today uh seems a bit optimistic I think you know you know Smith put it well towards the towards the end of the um you know interview section of this podcast like I think in order for that to happen USA Cricket really needs to get its administrative house in order um so there has been good news since they actually conducted those interviews um it's been announced that elections will be conducted just in a couple of months so if that kind of side of things gets sorted out because i know obviously the icc is going to be looking to usa cricket for genuinely good governance there you know there's a reason they've been put in this position because of the failings of usaka so if this infighting continues, then no, I don't think it's going to be possible. If we actually get that side of things um, sorted out, um, get a bit of transparency over governance of cricket in the country, then that's that's a building block that's essential. Um, yeah, I don't see it being impossible. Um, there's been a lot of talk about cricket potentially being at the 2028 Olympics as well, which is obviously going to be hosted in LA. Unfortunately, news broke, I think, in December, just, just a month or two ago, that cricket wasn't included on the provisional list um, of sports to be included. Uh, I don't think it means it's completely doomed, but it's not a great indication. So that's a bit of a letdown. I think if that was another, again, piece of the puzzle on top of the World Cup, just again, getting more focus, growing the game. Um, I think Steve said almost by osmosis, because having all these amazing, you know, world events in the country, people will turn on their TV and see cricket being discussed because, you know, that's another thing about America, like events that are happening in the country generate a lot of conversations, right? So yeah, that's good and bad news, right? So the Olympics is disappointing. The government side, let's get these elections done. Let's get the ball rolling there. Um, I would be surprised if they were a full member of the ICC by 2030, but do I think it's impossible? Uh, no, I don't. I don't see it as completely impossible. I think probably not, and nor should they particularly want to, because if you look at who is an who are the associate members with ODI status, those are teams which are much closer to the profile of what the USA could aspire to do in terms of being a successful national team in the near future. Are they going to be playing a test match in Florida by 2030? Do they even particularly want that? Oh, I don't think anyone wants a bit right? of that. <laughs> Um, it seems to me like that's a, that's that's a bit of PR spin. That's that's we want to aim really high and be really important. It's like you don't have to be the best in the world at everything. USA aim to be a successful T20 ODI national team, occasionally make it to a World Cup and have your own successful franchise league. That would be a success. Thanks for listening and thanks again to all our guests who joined us this very special episode. What do you think? Is US cricket a serious proposition? Let us know on our Twitter at rains.pod, our email rains.playpod at gmail.com and on our Discord channel, which you can find on our Twitter. But for now, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this very special episode and we'll see you very soon. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. 
For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.